When a highly respected Anishinaabe elder performing a naming ceremony for our next speaker's son, the name bestowed meant revolving sky, referring to the circular movement of the sun, moon, stars, and seasons. This ancient knowledge came from watching the stars move to different regions of the night sky throughout the year and observing the relationship between seasonal changes and stellar movements. Michael Wasagijig Price is Anishinaabe and enrolled tribal member of the Wikwemekong First Nations. Through his son's naming ceremony, Michael felt a connection to the star world for the first time in his life and became obsessed in seeking out the star knowledge of his ancestors, the Anishinaabe people, also referred to as the Chippewa or Ojibwe. Michael has devoted his entire career to the preservation of indigenous knowledge and the success of tribally controlled community colleges in reservation communities. He has recently served as academic dean of White Earth Tribal and Community College located on the White Earth Reservation in Northwest Minnesota. In 2002, Michael authored an article entitled Anishinaabe Star Knowledge, <clears throat> which was a compilation of stars, stories, and celestial knowledge of the Anishinaabe people. His presentation today is entitled Underwater Panthers, Thunderbirds, and Anishinaabe Star Knowledge. Please welcome Dr. Michael Wasagijig Price. Bonjour, Anin. Michael Price was a Gijik condition because we quimikong manitou minasindon jiba makwa nin to dem. Gawaba begani kag indayan nungum. My name is Michael Price was a Gijik. I just introduced myself in my native language, the, the Anishinaabe. And sorry, I'm a little distracted here because it is light here. It's very bright. But uh, um, I worked at tribal colleges for most of my professional career. And I saw a huge need to, to go out and to learn this knowledge and, and to try to revive it for, for the next generation of Anishinaabe students. A lot of them had never even knew of the, of the star, not that Anishinaabe people had their own star knowledge. And they never knew that, um, that there were philosophers and astronomers and great thinkers uh, within their ancestral community. And so part of the reason why I wanted to go on this journey was, was to, to try to bring back this knowledge as a gift to them and, uh, and to add to my work uh, as a faculty member. <clears throat> so the title of my presentation, Underwater Panthers, Thunderbirds, and Anishinaabe, Anishinaabe Star Knowledge, I tried to pick out some of the stories that, 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 that really jumped out in, in, this, in this journey to, to learn the knowledge. And there's a whole lot more knowledge here that I didn't include. But... Um, I hope this kind of gives you a feel for, for how they seen and, and understood uh, the star world. So just, oh, thank you. So just to give you um, a little, little idea of where the Anishinaabe people are from, here's a map of uh, Anishinaabe country. And if you see the, uh, the large reservation down here, this, this is the White Earth Reservation. This is where I live right now. Um, but actually, my family 
is from this large island right here in northern Lake Huron called Manitoulin Island. And that's where most of my um, seven generations of my family are from. But all along the Great Lakes, all around the Great Lakes is, is the land of the Anishinaabe people. Um, also the Cree, the, uh, the Odawa, the Chippewa or the Ojibwe, uh, the Menominee. We are all Anishinaabe people uh, in that nation. So I'm going to uh, share with you some of the, the star stories, and I know that you'll recognize some of these, these constellations. And what became really fascinating to me was when I, I've always known these as the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper, but when I began to hear these names spoken in the Ojibwe language, it was really exciting for me uh, to have learned this knowledge. So we'll start with the, um, what most of us have seen as the, uh, or know as the Big Dipper. And this is what we call in Ojibwe, Ojig. Ojig is a, uh, a member of the weasel family. It is a carnivore that lives in the forests. Uh, it has a long tail and a very respected hunter uh, that, that, that the Anishinaabe recognize. And here's a picture of an actual fisher that, that lives in the North Woods. A very beautiful animal, and it is actually one of the only mammals that, that has the ability to hunt and kill porcupines. So it uh, has that gift that no other uh, carnivorous mammal has. But going back to the story, uh, the fisher, and I want to try to tell the story in the way that I've heard it told to me, uh, the story of how the fisher uh, got the arrow in its tail. A long time ago, um, when the springs came and the trees began to green up, this was back in a time when the animals could communicate to one another. Um, a lot of the animals realized that the birds did not return one year. And so a lot of the animals were concerned and they began to gather together and ask one another, why haven't the birds returned this year? And then the bear looked up in the sky and, and saw that the birds were being, were flying up into a hole in the sky, or what we call a bagunagizik. And that the, the birds were flying into the hole and they were disappearing. And so the animals gathered together and they began to ask one another, we need to investigate and see what's happening to our relatives, the birds. So they went and found the tallest cedar tree they could find in the forest. And then they began to deliberate with one another. Well, who's going to climb this tree and investigate? So among all of the tree climbing mammals, they all got together and talked and the bear said, well, I can't because I'm too big. And the porcupine said, well, I can't because I'm too timid. And all the animals found reasons why they couldn't do it. And finally the fisher, Ojig, said, I'll climb up there and I will find out what is going on, what is happening to the birds. So the fisher began to climb the cedar tree and climbed to the very tops of his limbs until finally the limbs are so thin that it became wobbly. And then with one great leap, the fisher jumped from the top of the trees and into the Bagunagizik, the hole in the sky. And now the fisher was in the cloud world. And what the fisher found was that this angry cloud spirit was holding the birds captive. It had hundreds of thousands of birds that it held captive inside these small clouds. And this angry cloud spirit kept forming more clouds which to, to trap more birds. So finally the little fisher ran up to one of those clouds and began to spin its tail and he dissolved 
one cloud. And finally, a whole flock of birds flew away, flew in through the Bugnagizic and back to earth. Then the little fisher began to release more birds and more birds. And he was working, spinning his tail to dissolve these clouds. And, and, the, and the birds were escaping back down to earth. Well, finally, the angry cloud spirit saw what the fisher was doing. And the angry cloud spirit reached in and grabbed a bow and an arrow and shot at the fisher. But the fisher just kept spinning his tail and kept dissolving these clouds, releasing all the birds. Until finally, the last cloud that was released, the birds flew through the hole in the sky. And the little fisher ran for the hole in the sky as well. And just as the fisher began to leap through the hole, an arrow hit the fisher in the tail. And he lunged and grabbed for the top limb and missed it. And the poor fisher fell to the earth. And unfortunately, he died. A lot of the animals and the birds, they gathered around the, the little fisher's body. And they recognized the bravery that this little animal had done to bring back the birds of the spring. And the great spirit was watching this whole scenario take place. So the great spirit reached down onto the earth and picked up nine stones and threw them into the sky. And those stones formed a star constellation that would always immortalize and, and remember the bravery that the fisher did in bringing back the birds. So that's the story of Ojig, the fisher. And these, oh, thank you. Miigwech. So the two stars that you see in its tail are, are very dim, but they're there. And so this, a very prominent star constellation and a story among the Anishinaabe people. The next constellation that I want to bring up was the Mong, or the, or the Great Northern Loon. And this is actually the Little Dipper upside down. And if you look at it, it looks exactly like a loon floating on top of the water. And, of course, here's a picture for those of you who haven't seen the great loon up close. Uh, this is a picture of Mong. And if you notice um, the, the, the spots on, on the loon's back, they say that the people that are born of the loon clan actually have a, a connection to the star world. And it is represented on the, the, on the loon's back. So those are star representations uh, on the back of the loon. And of course, here's the two constellations together. A story that I learned from Bob Jourdain was that Polaris, which is the North Star, is actually in the Ojibwe language called Ojiganung, which is the, uh, the Fisher Star. And throughout the year, the Fisher constellation will, will revolve around the North Star all throughout the year. The Fisher constellation will be in different parts of the sky in different parts of the season. And a lot of Anishinaabe people were able to read uh, that, that movement, just like a clock. So I know many of you will probably know this constellation. The tail of the, or, or the head of Leo, is actually the, the tail of the, the great underwater panther, Mishia Bijou. And this is a very formidable spirit among the Anishinaabe people. This is a spirit that lives underneath the waters, and wherever there's turbulent water or whirlpools, they say that's where these panthers reside. And a lot of Anishinaabe people, before they went out in their canoes, they gave tobacco, asema, to the spirits 
for a safe journey and basically to appease these spirits that they wouldn't capsize their canoes and, and pull them underneath the water. So this is a very formidable um, uh, spirit that uh, the Anishinaabe people respect. And this is the constellation. This is actually a spring constellation that comes up, um, I believe, in, at the end of March. And what's ironic about that time is that that's about the time that the ice is beginning to break up and melt uh, in the north, northern part of uh, Minnesota. And so it becomes very dangerous up there during that time where there's thin ice. And so we always recognize uh, that this constellation, it, it tells us to, to be careful and to be cautious when we're out on the waters and to always uh, give tobacco to appease uh, those spirits. So these are some rock paintings, and for those of you that have toured around Canada on the north shore of Lake Superior have probably seen this. This is the great Michibijou that's painted on the, the rocks um, on uh, Agawa Bay, uh, northern Lake Superior. <clears throat> and you can see the, the horns and the, and the spikes. I mean, it, it was made to be a very formidable uh, spirit. And if you look over on the far left, you'll see a canoe that's full of people. And of course, down below, I asked an elder what those two uh, beings were below the Mishibiju. And he said those is what I, what I would call Zagasqua Jemeg, or giant leeches. So this pictograph that I believe was meant to be a warning, and the little picture down on the right there, that's my little boy at the, at the rock painting site. And if you look at the, uh, if you look at the rocks here, Right up here is where the painting is. And down here is just kind of this, this rock uh, slant. And when the waves are really high, uh, it's very dangerous out there. And, and if somebody was to fall off into that water when the waves were up, it would be life-threatening. And I believe that's why that these ancient uh, people uh, put this painting here as, as a warning to be careful uh, in, this, in this area. Of course, the day that we took this, this picture, it was a nice, calm day, but the day before, uh, we could have never gotten out there because it was really dangerous. This is another rock painting of a Mishibiju uh, uh, near, um, up in the Boundary Waters uh, uh, wilderness area in northern Minnesota. This is probably almost 200 miles from the other painting at, at Agawa Bay. And as you can see, it's starting to fade a little bit, but you can see the long tail that comes over its back and you can see the two horns uh, coming off of its head. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the rock is beginning to chip away. So uh, I don't know how much longer we'll be able to have and, and see these paintings with the rock the way it's flaking as it is. And this is obviously a very old uh, rock painting. This is another underwater spirit uh, that the Ojibwe recognize, Mishigenebik, which is the underwater serpent. And again, you can see that these, these small symbols over here are canoes. And then, of course, there's a moose, which is a, an aquatic uh, uh, mammal. But that this is another formidable spirit that should be uh, recognized and, and, and much caution must be given uh, to this area where these, where these symbols are found. This is at Darkey Lake in the, in the Quetico Provincial Park. This is extremely remote. It takes almost two days a canoe up to this rock painting. An extreme remote area. 
the great Thunderbird. As I mentioned, the, the Monsieur Bijou is an underwater spirit. We say that that is a spirit of the underworld. Well, this is the spirits of the sky world, a Nimki Benesi. And this is the constellation Cygnus. And there's all kinds of stories in Ojibwe uh, spirituality about battles between the sky world and the underworld. I know a lot of people thought that, that our stories were about peace and harmony and balance, but actually there's a lot of battles that goes on between these different realms, these different entities in our, in our spiritual world. And over here on the left are some paintings of, of, of the great Thunderbird. Um, these, were paint, these, again, were painted all over the, uh, the rock outcroppings along northern, uh, in Ontario and northern Minnesota. And this was a nice cloud picture that I found that, that looked exactly like a thunderbird. We always look for cloud formations that, 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 uh, that tell us those things. But this is a Nimki Benesi. This is the, the spirits of the skies. And just this last year in northern Minnesota, in June, we had these tremendous floods that went on in Duluth and, and wiped, it took out a lot of bridges and, and, and it destroyed a lot of roads. A tremendous uh, flood that, that we had there. And then we had a lot of dry, uh, we, we had kind of a semi-drought time during that, uh, throughout the summer. And then in July, we had a huge windstorm that hit Bemidji, Minnesota and knocked over thousands of trees uh, all the way from across the Leech Lake Reservation all the way to Duluth. And a lot of these uh, uh, tribal elders uh, that know these stories said, uh, the Thunderbirds are, are, are upset with us. In our creation stories, we know that the Thunderbirds were created to nurture and protect the earth. They nurture the earth by bringing the winds and the rains uh, that the earth needs. But we've also been instructed too that the Thunderbirds were instructed to protect the earth and that they would protect the earth from humans if needed. And I heard that story quite a while ago and I got to thinking about climate change and, and how we've, we've made changes to the earth and how now the Thunderbirds, according to those teachings, are coming back on us. And so this has got a lot of uh, people talking uh, on the different uh, reserves about uh, these Thunderbird teachings and, and some of the uh, dialogue around climate change and some of these storms that we've been seeing here recently. This is a painting by Norval Morso from 1965 who, who talked about the battles between the sky world and the underworld. And of course, this is a Thunderbird battling an underwater serpent. And Norval Morrisow was one of the first artists to actually capture uh, these types of spiritual teachings. And the Anishinaabe people back in those days were really, I think they were upset with him that he began to put these types of teachings on, on canvas. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it, uh, it sparked a, a renaissance in this type of cultural knowledge uh, through his paintings and through his artwork. I know we've talked a lot about this, this constellation. Many of us grew up seeing this one uh, in the wintertime, known as Orion the Great Hunter. In the Anishinaabe tradition, this is Nanabojo, or Nanabush, our trickster spirit. And this is uh, one of the most probably prominent winter constellations. And it's a tradition in the Native American community that we do not tell Nanabojo stories until the snow is on the ground. 
And as you know, when Orion rises, uh, it should be rising in another couple weeks, when it begins to rise in the eastern skies, that's usually about the time that the snow begins to fall. And then throughout the winter months, in the early evenings, Orion will make its way across the skies until about early March, and then that's when Orion begins to uh, sink below the western horizon. And by that time, spring is on its way. So Orion, um, uh, one of our more prominent uh, star constellations, that this knowledge was almost lost. A lot of Anishinaabe people didn't know the stories of these constellations. And of course, here is a pictograph at uh, Hegman Lake, uh, just north of Ely, Minnesota. And a lot of elders say that this is uh, a depiction of Nana Bojo and his connection to uh, the animal world. And of course, as you see right above uh, Nana Bojo's head are these canoe symbols again that we see all across uh, um, this area, uh, these types of rock paintings. This is probably one of the star stories that probably caught my attention the most. And the wolverines, they don't live in Minnesota anymore. In fact, because of deforestation and trapping, uh, the wolverines have, have been eradicated from the state of Minnesota. But the, but the stories and the traditions uh, among Anishinaabe people are still there. So our name for the wolverine is Gwingwa Age, which means the one who came from a falling star. And in this story, it talks about how a star actually fell from the sky and hit the earth. And when it hit the earth, it caused a huge explosion and knocked a hole in the earth. And over time, the Anishinaabe people would not go to this hole, but they would watch it from a distance. And over a few years, this hole eventually turned into a lake. And then one day, a young Ojibwe hunter was walking by, and he seen a mammal that came out of the waters of this lake. And this mammal had a very vile temper. It was very aggressive and chased the, the hunter away. And it, it was very much of a lone uh, spirit. It walked alone, it, it, it stayed alone. And so the Anishinaabe people called this animal the one who came from the falling star because they remembered that when the star hit the earth and formed that lake, that was the lake that this mammal arose from. And that story really stuck with me because I believe in oral tradition, um, the Anishinaabe people recorded a, a meteorite impact uh, within their stories. And that story has been preserved through the name of the, of the Wolverine, Gwingwa Age. And this is another story that I recently found out about, Noachigeyanung. And again, this is a story that talked about back in our, some of our creation stories, there was a story about how the first burning of the earth and how the earth, a star had hit the earth and caused a massive destruction, had destroyed thousands of trees and had, had wiped out many animals and people during that time. And the story was that people were not living well. People were killing other people Mammals were killing other mammals. The water was, was, was not good. It was a bad time for the people. So from the star world came the star 
to cleanse the earth and to bring it back into balance. And so when this star hit the earth, that was the story of the first burning of the earth. But one thing that was told um, in the Midday Society was that this star comes back to check on us to see how we're living as people and to see that we are living in a good way and that we are taking care of the earth. And this star comes to check on us every approximately 75 years. And that star is what we know as Halley's Comet. Another name for Halley's Comet is, is Wazuwadanung, which is the long-tailed star. And so this is passed down through the Medewin teachings um, in order to instruct people to live in a good way and, and, to, and to always do their ceremonies and, 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 and follow the, the ways of the Medei uh, for a good life. And that we know that one day this star will be coming back to check on us. And the last time it was here, I believe it was uh, 1985. So... Um, so... There's a lot more star stories that I did not introduce here. Uh, these are some of the, uh, uh, the ones that really stick out for me uh, while I've been on this journey to learn this knowledge. But I wanted to say miigwech to all the people that I had learned these star stories from, from Bob Jourdain, from Kuchiching First Nations, Tobasanaquit Kenyu from Onigaming First Nations, Carl Gaboy from Boys Fort in Minnesota, um, Norval Morso, who is probably one of the most gifted Anishinaabe artists uh, to ever live, and Thor Conway, a, a tribal historian. I'd like to thank the National Museum of the American Indian for inviting me here to share these stories, and, and I just feel very honored to be able to come and share these with, with everyone else. And I'd also like to thank Leech Lake Tribal College, who actually gave me the time as a faculty member to go and to learn ethnoastronomy and ethnobotany on my own time as well. So if it hadn't been for these tribally controlled community colleges, um, I wouldn't have found the time probably to, to do this work. So, aho, miigwech. Thank you, Michael, for that wonderful presentation. <clears throat>